gun Ramos looking like he's got one more good run Sips a little shaky But his heart is still true Oh how that dog loves hunting with me and you Sporting dog adventures run The Sporting Dog Adventures podcast is proudly brought to you by Soggy Acres Retrievers. Remember, everyone deserves a soggy dog. Welcome to this week's Sporting Dog Adventures podcast. Today we're going to talk about something that is very relevant. We're going to talk about fireworks and your dog. I've got my wife Kate here. And we figured this would be a good topic that we can put out right before the 4th of July because we get a lot of questions from people about their dogs being scared or not having been around fireworks. We get a lot of questions on it. We get them every year. So this would be a good podcast to save, hang on to. If other people have questions in other years, it's a great resource. So the thing that we've seen is dogs will be around fireworks and it's not just bottle rockets or where one goes off it's where they're around a barrage of fireworks and they'll actually get quite scared the good news is i haven't seen that translate into any issues with dogs and hunting but you don't want your furry friend to be scared yeah and and you wouldn't want to take a chance you know um like you said you haven't personally experienced any in the different gun dogs you've trained but what's to say that big, loud, scary bangs couldn't translate into a future problem? You know, who knows? Um, so something to take into consideration. And you don't want them to be shy or afraid of noises because um, that's going to translate into other things that they might be shy or afraid of as they grow older. The easiest way to prevent it, obviously, is to not have them at a fireworks show. Uh, but if I were going to have a dog at fireworks for the first time, I would start at a distance at minimum so that you're farther away, the booms aren't as loud as as they are when you're right under the fireworks, and the dog is, you can basically desensitize them to it by having them around it. And that's a great idea. Um, The other thing to take into consideration though too, especially like right here right now, oddly for Wisconsin, we are so hot. So if you're thinking, oh, let's do fireworks and the dog, you know, it's not just the noise and that to consider, but a lot of times there are huge crowds, maybe not so much this year because of COVID. I know they're trying to kind of keep crowds to a minimum for viewings, but um, the heat, you know, there's the noise and then there's the heat too. So maybe taking your dog for fireworks isn't the best choice either because like right now here, it's been in the 90s and above for days on end and it's going to be for another couple of weeks. And it lasts into the evening too. So imagine if you're watching fireworks and you have a fur coat on, it's probably not the best experience. And then if you're going to be afraid potentially on top of it, you know, probably not something your dog really wants to experience. Yeah, and the fact that you're, you're taking your dogs to an area to watch fireworks, you're probably walking on a road that has been superheated during the day. Uh, a lot of people sit on roadways or sidewalks while they watch them. And the temperature of the concrete or especially blacktop can be 20, 30 degrees higher than the actual temperature in the air. So for a safety thing, I personally don't take dogs to fireworks, but if I did, I one would start out quite a ways away and, and maybe watch the first year where we're not right on top of it and move ourselves closer. And this honestly would be for uh, any dog, even if it's a hunting dog that's been hunted over and shot over. There's a definite difference 
in noise and how dogs react. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, especially like if they're younger, uh, this is going to be quite the experience if they've never experienced it before, never experienced anything like it before. Um, yeah, definitely want to start it out gradually. Not probably the year if you have a young dog to have your own fireworks show in the backyard. You're probably going to terrify them. Um, start but again, small. sparklers, well, the sparklers, little snakes, those are the fine. Little poppers that you throw yeah. out to the <coughs> We're talking like mortars. very loud. Yeah, yeah, mortars, <laughs> mortars. M80s. Yeah, big, the big huge. show stuff. Yes. Yeah, no, the little things. Um, if you're setting up a bottle rocket, you know, from your roof into your pond, like we could do here potentially if you wanted to, they're probably not even going to notice it or hear it or care. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you want to have like the big show for all your family and friends, or you live on a lake and they have a big show probably need to keep an eye on your dog and see how they're reacting to it if they've had a bad experience in before maybe there's a place you would be that would be better off for that hour or so that the show is running or figure something out to make sure that they're comfortable and they're safe and you know not going off the walls about it and if you even if you're doing a small show and you're doing it in your yard i've seen some youtube videos on this where people will have a tube that they're lighting bottle rockets off in and then the dog sees the person excitedly run away from the tube and the dog goes over and grabs the tube and starts running around the yard with it always keep in mind that they don't understand what fireworks are they don't know what's safe and you got to be smart for them so that you're not putting them in harm's way yeah if you're going to do something at your house um, that would probably be the best time to keep them in the house. Yeah, they don't know to run away, run away, run to, fetch it up. I mean, it's all the same. They don't know. They don't know that a, what a smoke bomb is. It's going to put off all this, you know, icky colored smoky stuff on the ground right at their level. They don't know. They may try to run over there and, oh, it looks like, you know, a little treat. I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to eat it or something. They don't know. They don't know what any of it is. They could get burned or ingest something they shouldn't. So, you know, probably if you're going to do it, keep the dog in the house. That's probably the best approach. Um, Or if you have a fenced yard, put the dog in the fenced yard and you do your little show outside of it. But, yeah, keeping their safety in mind. You don't want them to get burned or something. So now let's look at it as the dog is concerned about the noise. Uh, we, We often will get questions about fireworks, but also thunderstorms and other loud noises that dogs really struggle with and it always brings me back to our dog Lucy. Uh, We had Lucy, she was our original singing dog that we uh, showcased on social media and at all of our sports shows. She would howl and dance and and, uh, had a tip chart sports shows. She was deathly afraid of thunderstorms but yet was still a wonderful hunting dog. She was great in the field. She just specifically didn't like thunderstorms. And she wasn't over the top about it, but she would definitely get very clingy. She would come over and cling to you, and she'd be like, oh, save me. You know, she, yeah, she did not like them. Um, She didn't cry or howl or anything like that, but you could tell, actually, a storm was coming, if you remember right, because she would actually get very agitated. And you were like, oh, it's probably going to be a storm. And she would be in the bedroom, in the bed, kind of like sheepish, like, "Mm, I know what's coming. You could feel she was shaking. Yeah, poor thing. She was nervous. If you have a dog that is sensitive to something like that, you know, I don't know if there's any real way to prevent it. I know there's some different products like Thundershirt out there uh, that I've talked to. Some people say they work. Some people say they don't. Uh, I would say the, the number one thing you do is just be reassuring to them. When Lucy would come in, she would be shaking. You could tell she was not happy. You could barely hear the thunderstorm off in the distance, and you're thinking, oh, my gosh, this poor dog is just going to lose it once the storm is here. So we would just pet her and talk nice to her and tell her it was okay. Mm-hmm. There's um, the thunder shirts, and, yeah, I've heard 
people say, yes, they're awesome. I've had other people say, it does absolutely nothing. What a waste of money. I had a coworker who looked up some sort of calming drop that she put in her dog's water. Her dog was deathly afraid of storms as well. And she had great, great results with it. It was a small breed dog, a Chihuahua mix. And she had a really good response with these drops that you could put in the water. But yeah, just being reassuring is the most important thing. Holding them, a great time to put a movie on pet them, put them, you know, up on the couch by you or sit on the ground where they are and just love them up, pet them, distract them with like a toy that they like or something like that. If you have a lower level rec room, might be a good time to go down there. It's usually cooler too, which is really nice. They enjoy that. You know, roll a ball on the ground down there. If you've got a basement or a lower level, you can kind of muffle the sound a little bit if you're down there. So, you know, just, just be there with them, do what you can to reassure them and distract them. Yeah, and, and it doesn't translate to any issue with hunting. I mean, Lucy, again, would still hunt well in the field. She just didn't like thunderstorms. I think it was probably the vibration uh, that the thunder would give where, where it kind of rumbles in the house. And I think that is probably uh, is probably what really, really harmed her. I had a dog when I was younger. His name was Snuffy the Poodle. Snuffy. Uh, Snuffy would hate rumble strips when you're driving in the road. The, uh, the the type of strips that would warn you when a, when a stop sign was coming. And he would be laying on the floor sleeping and he would wake up and be petrified up on the seat because the rumble strip uh, made his stomach vibrate. Yeah, so living proof that, you know, each dog can have different individual fears and that a fear of one sound doesn't necessarily correlate to a fear of a different sound. So they might be fine with fireworks, but don't like gunfire or like gunfire and are fine with that but don't like rumble strips or it's it's pretty random one doesn't necessarily mean the other so if your dog is not a fan of fireworks and isn't digging it don't write them off as oh my gosh this dog can never be gun dog trained this is horrible it's not necessarily so so that pretty much does our topic for the day now we're going to go to our training tip so the training tip i had was a gentleman said that he was really sick of having to yell for his dog and ask how to do whistle training and with whistle training we've got some great videos on our youtube channel youtube.com uh, sporting dog adventures tv uh, the easiest way to explain it is i used to be in police work and we would train multiple things at once we called it chaining so you're going to chain multiple tactics or training trainings together so it would be getting your dog to have a good recall. We use the command here. So it'd be calling the dog and saying here. Once you have where the dog's recall is great and they're coming to the word here, then it would be using a whistle and it would be here. And right after you go here, you'd go beep, beep, beep on a whistle. You always use three or multiple, two or three, as you are calling them in. And then after about a week of using here and the whistle, you can actually just use the whistle. And with your body language, when you get the dog's uh, the dog's uh, attention, have a very inviting body language, whether it's down on a knee or bent over at the waist, looking at the dog saying, that's that a boy, come on, come on, really having good body language, good voice inflection, and the dog's going to come to that whistle. And then you can also use it for the sit command, which the sit command with a whistle or the sit whistle, as it's called in training, is often used only for when people are doing handling training for blind retrieves. I actually use it quite a bit in upland training. I'll teach the sit whistle while we're walking on he at heel on lead, tell the dog sit, and then again, after you say sit the next time, you'd hit the whistle with one beep. So it's sit, beep, and then you do that over and over for a week, and then after a week, you can just hit the whistle and the dog's gonna sit. 
Again, give them good potty language. Let them know that's what you wanted after they do it. Congratulate them, good dog. Give them real positive reinforcement. The nice part about that is if you are gonna work on handling with your dogs in later training, which will be several months down the line, the dogs already understand what a sit whistle is. But if you're doing upland training, even if you don't train your dog to actually handle, it's nice because you can stop your dog. If they're hot on the tail of a rooster and they're about to become out of range, you can hit the whistle and sit the dog. You don't have to run after the dog, which is not safe. Never run after your dog. I've seen it happen many times. You're not gonna run after them. You're gonna hit the sit whistle. They're gonna sit. You're gonna get within about five yards of them and tell them, hunt it up. And you're gonna release them. And then again, if, they about to get, if they're about to get out of range, beep, hit the sit whistle, sit them back down. You'll do this and you are gonna get more birds this way because they're gonna be in range. Guys will argue, well, yeah, you're letting them get away. You gotta keep on those roosters because they'll get away. If you let a dog hunt like that, when they flush, they're flushing at 50 yards. By the time you pull your gun up there at 75 yards, by the time you pull the trigger, they're out of range. So you wanna use a sit whistle. It works great when you're doing your upland training, but it also is a precursor for teaching your handling and blind retrieves. So I hope that helps you for this week's training tip. We do want to thank you for listening into our podcast. This is our third podcast on the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast. Kate and I really enjoy doing this. I don't think I'm going to be able to con her into doing all of them, but it's no, nice to have her not. here. But I hope everyone has a great 4th of July. God bless. Sporting Dog Adventures, run, boy, run. Everything you need is here under the sun.